beginning with a refrain that our teacher Ajahn Sumedho used to say in the monastery almost every morning. A really helpful reminder of aligning with the Dharma. It goes like this. Yesterday is a memory. Tomorrow is the unknown. And now is the knowing. The mind can concretize, make solid, real, and so entangling what we recall about yesterday, what has been, this and that happen. Oh, I'm, I'm so caught up. This could take years to sort out. Years, decades, <laughs> lifetimes. Yesterday's a memory. Whatever compelling, pleasant or unpleasant, blissful or appalling. Event. It's reality. According to Dharma, the true nature, yesterday is a memory that we touch now. I remember taking a walk with Tanisra yesterday. The balmy, pleasing. I suspect unusual for New England. October late afternoon. A memory. We can also so easily concretize, manifest, make so solid, so compelling, so beguiling, so frightful, so entangling. What might happen? What about this? What about that? How will I cope? What what will I what should I say? What what's the right thing to do? 
to dismiss all that as nothing but to know the future is unknown. Don't know. Speculation, maybe. Now is the knowing. There can be memory, there can be planning, there can be wondering. But the reality, as we take refuge in the Dhamma and rest in the knowing, our refuge, we go for refuge to Buddha. Right from his awakening, from his first disciples, he offered trustworthy abidings. Yesterday is a memory. Tomorrow is unknown and now is the knowing. We can know, rest in the knowing. It's not obstructed by a memory. It's not obstructed by speculation, planning. This timeless, essentially peaceful Dharma is always here and now. We chant it every morning. Sanditiko. It's timeless. It's not bound in time. The past, memory, future, speculation, all arise, dissolves, emerges in this timeless. Suchness, this timeless akaliko dharma. The Buddha is timeless. Ehi pasiko. This true nature is ehi, means come, welcome. Pasiko, see, come see. We don't need a special pass, special qualifications, special color, special race, special gender identification. The Dhamma is always opening, inviting. Whatever might have happened yesterday that we can then fabricate, and we do it, not necessarily consciously. That's what sankara means, this creation of these patterns that we then identify with. The way home, the liberating way home, The condition that uh, illuminates our way home is awareness. All suffering comes from avijja, non-awareness, ignoring, not seeing, in the dark. When we bring attention, 
mindfulness, clear comprehension, persistent effort to stay with this moment, its nature is revealed. Insightful wisdom then penetrates to the true nature, the actuality. trustworthy, resting in our refuge, now is the knowing. Knowing the rain, Buddha Dhamma, the one who knows, the Buddha, resting in the knowing and the Dharma, the conditions, Manifest, appear, shift, and dissolve, allowing the gentle resonance of the rain to teach us. The awakened one, the Buddha, gave us wonderful, skillful means. This savakato dhamma, this well-proclaimed teachings that when we hear them, align with them, they guide us home to our true nature. One of the classical teachings is the, the, uh, that the Buddha encouraged us is to reflect on the tilakana, the characteristics, the three characteristics. <coughs> Anicca, impermanence, change. Dukkha, unreliability, unsatisfactoriness. Anatta, insubstantiality, not-self. Anicca, change. <coughs> so easy to, to think, oh God, that's... Excuse me, Kitty Sorrow, but that's, that's Buddhism 101. We're... we're <coughs> Newsflash, we're at the forest refuge. This is like, you know, the PhD, <laughs> the depth. Please... It's so easy to, to, we all would uh, get 100 out of 100 on conceptually, you know. Does the weather ever change? Yes. Does my body ever change? Yes. Does my bank balance change? Yes, yes. But to really take into our being profoundly this life-transforming, world-transforming, universe-transforming.
the Buddha talks about how all the profound teachings on emptiness, selflessness, emerge out of the insight into anicca, change. In the Anguttara and Nikaya, the teaching on the numbers, the chapter of nines, there's a uh, an interesting short discourse where the Buddha is talking to one of his really devoted lay followers, Anatta Pindaka, who was extraordinarily wealthy and extraordinarily generous, offering monasteries and things. But he was also a practitioner. And it's just interesting how the, the Buddha is talking to Anatta Pindaka and I don't know how they got to the opening, but uh, he was uh, recollecting that there was a great uh, Brahmin, this is the Buddha talking, that made an alms offering, a really wide open alms offering of 84,000 I don't know, cups of gold, 84,000 silver, all kinds of delicacies, foods, animals, cloths, requisites, an incredible offer. And the Buddha said that would be a, that would bear great fruit, the result from that offering. As, as, as great as all of this is in terms of its fruitfulness, the Buddha said, if you just even made one, one offering of a meal to someone who was a, of right view, what the Buddha was talking about, to a stream enterer, to one person who had just touched Nibbana with clear comprehension, new peace, in other words, The Buddha said that would be even more fruitful, just even offering one meal to a peaceful person as one connects with that measurelessness. When we offer, we connect to that mandala of energy. And the Buddha then went on and said, but even if you were to make offerings to a a hundred stream interests, even if you just uh, made an offering to one once returner. Once returner, we won't go into this, this whole way the Buddha talked about the stages of insight. But basically, a once returner is more unshakable in their capacity to connect to deep peace, to Nibbana. Even to one. And making that offering to one once returner is great as how fruitful that would be, the Buddha said, even if you offer to a hundred of those once returner, if you just offer to one non-returner, that someone is even more deeply rooted in peace. So the Buddha goes on like this until the incredible fruitfulness of offering to one arahat. It's even more. And even more fruitful than offering to a hundred arahats is the one silent Buddha, Pacheka Buddha, 
That's a Buddha who has the incredible insight but doesn't really teach. Then even more fruitful than that, the Buddha said, no, but if you made an offering to the Sangha, this gathering of practitioners led by the Buddha and even built them a monastery, that would be of great fruit. Wonderful result of that karma. But he said, as great, as fruitful as that is, it would be even more fruitful. How did he word it? To develop the mind of loving kindness for the time it takes to pull a cow's udder. (laughs) Now, I've got a, for the sake of transparency, I have never pulled a cow's udder. But I suspect that that's not long. You you pull, (laughs) I would think, a few seconds. Even more fruitful to develop the mind of loving kindness for the time it takes to pull a cow's udder. And then he said, as fruitful as that is, way more fruitful than all those other things the Buddha had mentioned. He said, even more fruitful is to develop the perception of impermanence for just the time it takes to snap one's finger. To develop the perception of impermanence. Even for the time it takes to snap one's finger. Insight surpasses all. It's of a whole nother order. Rather than the fruitfulness manifesting in some worldly boon. What happens when we notice impermanence? Even for a moment, the rain. Ah, the rain is such wonderful invitation for Dharma reflection. Resting in the knowing, allowing the rain to inform us moment to moment to moment of its ephemerality. On this second uh, week of our retreat together, really taking this opportunity to deepen into the Dharma. When we notice impermanence, why is that so inconceivably powerful and fruitful? Rain sounds like a thing, but as we open our attention, never stopping. Can one freeze it? 
grab it. It's just a flow of flickering, resonating sounds. That is the world of conditions. And not just the rain, every sound. Every sight. Every smell, taste, sensation, thought, feeling. And yet, just in this nature, like this rain, it's offering this Dharma talk. We imagine we can find security by identifying with something. Yet, what is samsara? is taking a a, a moment of pleasure or a circumstance of success. Yes, me, mine. In actuality, it's just like this rain. Birth, and as it shifts and changes, my gosh, we wobble aging and death. Anicca dukkha. What is changing, the Buddha said, if something is changing, is it right to call it sukha? In the highest sense, is it something that can really be trustworthy and give us happiness? If it's there and then it's gone, subject to degrading to falling apart. Is it right to call it sukkha? He said, what is changing leads to the profound understanding of dukkha, which means du, apart from ka, akash. It's not perfect. It's not a criticism, but its nature is unreliable because what? It becomes, it shifts. Praise. Oh, yeah, I'm appreciative. Finally. Oh, the corner's been turned. They smiled. Yeah. It's so easy to... And it's pleasing, but then when we take birth, and then when the praise, as it does, goes to silence, then a frown or a criticism... Out of anicca, the here now intuitive, direct perceptions of change, we understand dukkha. And what is anicca dukkha? The Buddha said, Well, is it really right to call it me and mine? Is it really ours? If it's changing and going to be gone? Anatta, 
this cultivation of the perception of impermanence is not a big jump from what we've been doing. Oh, excuse me, Kitty Sorrow, but you know, we've been... Samatha calming, you know, this is insight. Those are two words. But as Ajahn Chah, you know, reminded us, it's just two sides of one log or two dimensions of something like a, a knife that has a sharp edge, but the back of the blade it gives it strength, our calming and steadying, using our mindfulness to return again and again to now is the knowing. As we walk, as we sit, as we stand, as we lie down and eat and run or rest, and even in our subtle being with the breathing, as we develop even a little skill through the long breath and the short breath and training ourselves to be sensitive to the breath, to the whole body, and just learning even a little bit to how to relax and access a quality of contentment, of satis- the satisfied heart, moment of... Uh, resting and enjoying just being here. While we're doing this mindfulness of the breath, the, the, the Buddha encouraged this. We can also breathe in and out while we're developing the perception of impermanence. Which is different from, oh, I'd like you to think a lot about impermanence. That's one thing, but that's a coarser, more... Oh, it's um, daytime now, and yet it was nighttime, I remember. That's impermanence, yes, but it's a... It's a more rudimentary. The perception of impermanence doesn't have to have a lot of thinking with it. It can be quiet. Just the the hint of a sign, like even the concept, impermanence. It becomes a vitaka. It's a thought that directs our attention. A hint of a thought, not a big long discussion. And then the thought dissolves. As we let that thought dissolve, then we receive the rain. Even with a quiet mind, we can contemplate change. Be modest, even the span of an in-breath with change. Span of an out-breath with the, just like the rain, the vibration of the sensations, wherever, however we know we're breathing. whether we use a word or a phrase or just quiet, 
as we breathe in, just staying with that openness to something shifting, vibration, sound, swelling, subsiding, while breathing out. Relaxing, learning to be at ease with change. Why is that so important? Well, when we hear the rain, the sensations, open our eyes, notice the flickering of the light and even the change of attention, it moves to this or that. And with a more spacious awareness, realize that this moment's actually a cascading braid of sensations and sights and sounds, perceptions and thoughts. As one notices things change and is open to that, one then gets introduced to the citta, to the, to the heart that receives it. To the deeper dimension that is prior to an object. As we really start to stay with change and recognize how things are becoming otherwise every moment, then what does that do to our idea that we're going to get somewhere and hold on to some accomplishment, some insight, even some idea, even the thought, some idea. It's there and it's ripples and then it's gone. We steady our perception of insight with the body, with breathing in and breathing out. But as we relax, soften, widen, we, we allow sound, which is wonderful. But then it's very essential that we include in our moment-to-moment recognition of Anicca thinking. Especially a thought that seems so believable. This is just not working. This is just not working. Flickers and dissolves. As we notice change and things dissolving, we can then begin to recognize that which remains. That which is not coming and going. Why it's so extraordinarily powerful, even one moment of change. The different order is that it is the beginning of liberating us from being bound to conditions imagining their me and mine. 
as Ajahn Chah used to say again and again, if you look for certainty in that which is uncertain, you're bound to suffer. the realm of seeing and hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, our world of form, feeling, looking for certainty here, because it's our anicca. So if he found himself convinced of something or some thought, himself saying, oh, wow, this is good, he would just whisper himself, my neh. In Thai, that just means not certain. Just a little hint of a thought. My neh. Not certain. It's not to knock anything out, but to just keep in touch with that anicca. That even our convictions, our moods, what we like, my neh seeing it shift. So today, I really encourage us to take to heart this Buddha's teaching on anicca, not just as a concept, but to introduce moments and sustaining those moments. As we breathe in and out, as we walk, even when we're not doing formal practice and relax. Just let go. And notice the shimmering, shifting nature, changing nature of conditions. And as we relax, we'll we'll notice there's that touching into peace. Resting in our refuge, we go for refuge to the Buddha, that which knows. Yesterday is a memory. Tomorrow is unknown. And now is the knowing. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.